get back into the, the study uh, that we've been in over the last few months, the, the, the study of the book of Hebrews. And uh, I wrestled with it. It's the, it's the last service before Christmas. There was probably Christmas-type messages we could preach. But can I just tell you that I'm thankful. And, and I don't have, I don't sit down at the beginning of the year and, and write down the preaching uh, thoughts and, and schedules. I, uh, there's some men that are great at that. I'm not that talented nor that disciplined to say I'm going to preach this when it comes to October. I don't do that. Uh, sometimes the Lord will give me messages way in advance, and I've worked on those. I'm working on a series that I hope to, to introduce in January uh, that, that we're going to do a series on a Sunday morning. And, um, but, but usually it's, it's a, a week or two that the Lord sort of directs me, and uh, I get there. But um, when the Lord began to, to direct my mind and study to the book of Hebrews, I never dreamed how it would all play out. I didn't know how long it would take. I didn't know uh, what chapter I would be at what portion. But to be honest, I can't think of any better book in the Bible to lead up to uh, the, the birth of Jesus and the understanding of Emmanuel than the book of Hebrews. That we have, we have gone through that and it has shown us, we've had some mighty times in his word. That it has shown us what it truly means, God with us. That God took on a completely human existence along with his completely divine existence. So that you and I might have a high priest that we can go to boldly. And, and, um, but, but now we've reached perhaps the most... Common, and I, I hate to use that word, the most familiar, maybe that's a better word, the most familiar portion of Scripture, and that is the book of Hebrews. And uh, I have preached from the book of Hebrews, I don't know how many times, I've put, or, or from Hebrews 11. I've preached messages in this church, behind this pulpit, on Hebrews 11. But I'm going to tell you today, not that those were wrong, not that I'm going to change your theology and turn it up on and in and try to teach you something new because we know there's nothing new under the sun. But I have never preached. Brother Perryman, I've never preached on faith and this book in the context that it was supposed to be preached in. We take, we take that, and, and, and just, just let me kind of get warmed up. Uh, we take that, that first verse. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, we take that verse, and man, we run with it. And we preach, Brother Miller, that, that if you'll just have faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a whole lot, just use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. And, and we preach that it, it's, it's, if you need a miracle, faith says a miracle's coming. And while all of that may be true, tonight, for the next little bit, I want to turn your faith on its ear. And I want you to see what true faith really is. Because in order to understand Hebrews 11, you have had to have walked through Hebrews 1, 2, 3, all the way to chapter 10. And now we're where the writer of Hebrews wants us to be. And we are there. And so I want to, uh, I, I want to just preach to you a little bit. Um, so, so who I can't see who's on the computer, but whoever's on the computer, obviously we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll take that verse by verse. But before you do that, I would like for you to turn to the book of Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4. I don't, 
exactly remember where Habakkuk is, so I'll tell you it's somewhere way in the back of the New Test, uh, Old Testament, so just keep flipping, you'll find it. It's on page 1031 in my book. Yeah. If you don't know where Habakkuk is, you go to the front of your Bible, and there's going to be an index, and that tells you where to look, because nobody preaches from the book of Habakkuk, <laughs> but we're going to do that. And uh, as you know, this year I, I, I took a, a class at the Urshan Graduate School, and again, I, I, don't, I think that God just sort of knows how to put things together. None of it was planned in a sense. I believe I started the, the, the book of Hebrews about a week before I started that class, which was an introduction to the Old Testament, who happened to be taught by Dr. Dan Seagraves. Well, guess what book I've been using for Hebrews that I got before I started the class? Dr. Seagraves' book. And so it's been very interesting as we've, we've pulled the two together. And I, I, I tell you, my, I have a fresh love for the Word of God. Even books like Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you want to call it. I don't really know. But anyway, let's go. Where did I say? You're going to find out very quickly tonight that I only have about one point I need to make. But I have a whole chapter to make that point. And so I'm going to try not to just bore you, but that's why the, the, in the book of Hebrews it goes through all of the heroes of the faith. He listed all of those for one point. So I'm trying to fill out, you know, fill up 30 minutes or so with one point, so just let me ramble for a little bit. Habakkuk, Habakkuk, whatever, chapter 2 and verse 4. Everybody say, this is the Old Testament. Okay? This was not written... When after the Holy Ghost has come, if, if you follow dispensations, which I believe in that a little bit, but sometimes we can take it too far, uh, this is the Old Testament, this is the old law, but watch what it says. Verse 4, behold his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him. We don't have time to explain all that, so just, you know, kind of let that fly out for a minute. But watch the back, the, the, the back part of that. But the righteous shall live by his faith, or the just shall live by his faith. Are you ready for my one point? Now, please don't get up and walk out when I give you my one point and say, I got it, I don't listen to the rest of it, because you're going to want to listen to it. Here's the one point. You are saved by faith. That is not a New Testament understanding. That is not a Pentecostal understanding. The saving by faith was present all the way back to the time that Adam and Eve walked on this earth. And that's what I want to prove and that's what the writer of Hebrews proves. You are saved by faith. Now let's, let's walk there. Before we even get into Hebrews chapter 11, let's turn to Romans chapter 1. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. And... Uh, uh, you're going you're gonna to see it. It's a common thing. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Again, I'm reading the English Standard Version. That's been my, my study Bible this year. And... Uh, so now you have Paul, the writer of Romans. He didn't make this up. He was pulling from Habakkuk chapter 2. But I'm not done. I want you to go to Romans chapter 4. 
And, and we'll, we'll touch on this in Hebrews, but let me just read it. Uh, Romans chapter 4, let's just start in verse 1, and, and we'll read a couple verses. For what then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And so I, I want you to catch this, because we're going we're gonna to read some things that you go, because I, I know you're kind of like me. We're going to go through some verses in Hebrews and, and light bulbs are going to start going boom and you're going to go, okay, now I understand. Because you've heard all of your life from your friends, maybe even sermons you were at and churches you were at, you've heard people say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. I want to tell you right now, that is an absolutely true statement. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Belief is faith, but I want to figure out what that faith truly means. And that's how we do that in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, you can turn there now and we're going to go and uh, I'm going to uh, take a few examples from Brother Seagrave's book that we're going to use and, and we're going we're gonna to go through it. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. English Standard says faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Remember, we're talking about the book of Hebrews. There was a, this is the, the new church, this church that had been birthed there on the day of Pentecost. And predominantly at first, the church of the living God was, was populated by Jewish Christians. They were Jews that had followed the law of Moses. And we've spent 10 chapters talking about Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than the high priest. Jesus is better than Moses and Abraham and all of the prophets. He's better than the angels. But you have Jews that have come into this belief. They're, they're loving the Lord and they're, they're doing that. But they're wrestling with this. It was easy to see my religion when I went to the temple because when I went to the temple I carried a lamb when I went to the temple I carried an offering it was easy for me to look and watch the priest take the life of that lamb and the blood spill I could watch the priest if you will and I'm taking a little bit of literary and, and, and some, some uh, uh, you know Whatever the word is I'm trying to find. It's not liberties. It's coming. But, uh, you know, it was easy for them to say, I see the priest putting wood on the fire. I see the priest with the censer. I see, I see, I see. It's tangible. But now we're getting into the untangible. For Peter and John and, and, and some of those, they had actually walked with Jesus. They had thrust his hand into his side. They had seen, they had touched, they had felt, they had heard. But now for the, the remainder of their lives and for the remainder of your lives, we are worshiping something we cannot see. 
We feel its effects. We feel the presence of God. But I don't see him. I cannot touch him. It's an intangible thing. And the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are, we are taking our faith from a tabernacle experience where you could see everything and just know it's there to walking with God where you can't always see. And that is very, very important as we go through it. The Bible goes through all the way from Abel to the close of the Hebrew Scriptures. And it says that the elders, they obtained a good testimony. Uh, You'll see that in verse 2. But if you went to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 12, you would know that the law itself was not of faith. Because, and and you're going to see that in a moment, you could do the things of the law and not believe. Because it was tangible. And so substance, his faith is a substance. And so Hebrews 11, the illustration that wants to go through is back that you find in chapter 10 verse 38. That the just shall live by faith. When you read that verse that says we are not those that draw back. We're not those that go back. What it was was those that are going back to the things they can touch. And in their leaving faith for something they can see. That's not what it's about. The, 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 the rituals, and I'm going to use that word, the rituals of the law were tangible. You could walk out to Jerusalem at the time that Hebrews was written. You could, you could step out just about anywhere in Jerusalem and see the gleaming top of Herod's temple. It was still there. It was still standing. The smells, the familiar sounds, the sights of traditions that had spanned centuries and generations all the way back to Moses was there. It was something they could grab hold of. But that's not faith. But now a new covenant comes that draws you away from the things you can touch, feel, and see. And it challenges you to say, I have faith in what I might not understand. Let me, let me quote from Dr. C. Graves. He says this in, in his book. He says, faith is the substance, not of things possessed, but of things hoped for. In addition, faith is evidence, not of things seen but of the invisible things. Faith is the substance, not of what I can touch and feel, but of what I have to truly have faith that it happens. Again, you could could participate in all of the tangible things of the law and never have an ounce of faith. What I have preached and and, and perhaps I I have taken it too far. And this is where I I want you to get away from this understanding. Faith is not, sometimes we misunderstood that faith is some invisible force that we can bring things into existence. You see this a lot with some some people that preach and, 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 you know, uh, we lump them together. We call them television evangelists. That's not probably fair. But... You know, this is not you can name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. Faith has not one ounce of ability to cause something to happen that you wanted and God didn't. Faith doesn't change God's mind. Faith doesn't turn God aside. You can't 
believe and hope and wish upon a star enough to make anything happen. Nowhere, and this, was, this blew my mind when I began to study it, nowhere in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, nowhere in all of the, 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 the heroes of faith was any of those heroes' faith based on something they wanted or they thought about. Their faith, every one of them, their faith was because God told them something or showed them something. So they didn't have faith for something they wanted. They had faith because of something God promised. I hope you understand that and catch that. I know that we have all of these verses and they are true and you can preach them in their own context. Ask and you shall receive. There is an understanding that I have needs that I have that I can pray. But understand that faith in its purest form is not you twisting God's arm or trying to get God's attention. Faith is when God tells you to do something. You believe and you do. And we're going to see that in, in just a little bit. Faith is the human's response to the divine initiative. God always takes the first step. He always does. Faith results in that justification. Let's go back to verse 2. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Now, it's a very clear, it's a very small statement. There's not much else there. But basically, that if the elders were able to receive something by faith, and we remember, the law is not faith, so we're talking about something other than that. If they obtained a, a good testimony by faith, meaning that there was a priority on the elders. I'm talking about the Old Testament. There was a priority on the faith rather than the ritual. And in just a minute, when we get to Abel, it's going to make perfect sense. I could almost just preach about Abel and be done, but we'll get through all of it just to say we walk through Hebrews chapter 11. But faith... The priority is on the faith, not the ritual. And if those elders, by, because they had faith, obtained a good testimony, then how much more should you and I have faith? Faith, verse 3, let's look. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which doth appear. See, I... I Understand it didn't say through faith we see the world. You don't have to have faith to see the world. Walk outside, you see the world. The faith is it was framed by the word of God. How? Not exactly sure, Brother Kozar. How did it all come to pass? I don't know. But I know it did because I read in Genesis 1-1 that he spoke and the world came to existence. So let's get into some of these examples of faith. And I, I have preached on Abel. Watch, well, let's look at verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. As the writer of Hebrews works his way through these, these pillars and these, these, these heroes of faith, it, it's, it's incredible. He doesn't just go to the, those that were born after the law. He goes before the law. 
he, he's going to have some that were during the law. He's going to have Jews, and then he's going to throw Rahab in there, a Gentile woman, because he wanted to make the point that faith is for everyone. Here's Abel. Now, this is, this is one of these places that as I begin to study and truly, really understand, it changes a little bit the way I preach about Abel. And so I'm just going to be honest with you. I've told you that, you know, we, I preach here that, that Abel offered a blood sacrifice and Cain did not. And I think there's some truth to that somewhere. That's not why God accepted the sacrifice of Abel. And I want to take you uh, in that and take you some time there. The reason God accepted Abel's sacrifice is because Abel believed and Cain did not. Remember how I told you you can do all of the works of the law and not have faith? You can go through the motions and not have faith? This is a prime example of what happened. God accepted Abel's sacrifice because Abel believed. I don't know where Abel heard that you needed to offer a sacrifice. I don't know where that came from. It had to have come from God. You're only two generations into it. You have Adam and Eve and you have Cain and Abel. And, and somewhere they had that. And if you begin to read in, 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 in Matthew chapter 23 or Genesis chapter 4, you find that he respected Abel and he despised Cain's offering. You also have that, that reason in, in Genesis chapter 4 verse 7 that the reason that God did not except Cain, was that he did not do well. You have that verse, Brother Kozart, you and I were talking about this verse uh, a, a day or so ago, that, that in, in Cain's life, sin crouched at the door and waited. Abel believed. Abel trusted. Abel said, everything I do is because I love the Lord. Cain said, I'm going to go through the motions, and in the process of time, when it's time, I'll go through the motions so I feel good. But there was no faith to back that up. And so because of that, he did not come on the proper terms. The only way you and I can come to God is through faith. That's why the Bible says everything you do, the works, the righteousness you do is but dung. It's but, but rags in the, in the eyes of God. There's no ritual. There's there's no checklist you can check off. There's nothing you can do to come into the presence of God and, and he accepts you except faith. And Abel was counted righteous. Now, this is very interesting. And you can see this in, in Romans chapter 4. I'll let you read Romans chapter 4 and verse 9 through 12. Uh, but you'll find that it, the Bible tells us in Romans that God accounted Abraham as righteous long before he ever circumcised himself. The same is true here with Abel. God counted Abel as righteous before he had even sacrificed on the basis of faith because it is not the sacrifices that does anything for us. We're saved by faith. And so Abel was righteous. That word righteous means he was right with God prior to his offering. What that means is he had genuine faith before he even lit a fire or did anything. But it was that public demonstration of his faith that allows the Lord to say, and this is the key, that God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. 
Some have said it's the blood of Abel that still cries out. And, you know, there's verses that lend itself to that. But right here when it says Abel is still speaking, what is he saying? If you you go to God in faith, God will testify of you. I want God to testify of me. I don't know if they have testimony services in heaven or not, but I want God to stand up and say, Hey, have you considered my servant, Brandon? Have you considered my servant, Job? Have you considered my servant? They are righteous because they believe, and their belief is is seen in a public demonstration. Abel's words. And why did did the writer of Hebrews include Abel in this? Because he wanted Abel's word to speak to a generation of Holy Ghost filled believers. Don't get caught up in the ritual. Make sure it's by faith. It's by faith. We can keep going. Enoch. Verse 5. And six, by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found. Because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I don't know how much plainer you can get the Bible to speak but here it is. You have Enoch. There's only two people, uh, two two people that that didn't see death, Enoch and uh, Elijah. Elijah, Elijah. They're the only two that didn't see death. Elijah went up in a chariot of fire. The Bible says Enoch. He was translated. He walked with God, and then he just wasn't there anymore. Nobody knows what happens. God just said, "Come home." Boom, and he was he was gone in the presence of God. And the Bible says, "Why was he in the presence of God?" It was because he had this testimony. He pleased God. Can I be really simple? Do you today want to please God? All right, the ten of you that want to please God, thank you. The rest of you, repent. But uh, do we want to please God? Absolutely. How do I please God? Well, the Bible says right here. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So that means that's a negative statement. Without faith, it's it's impossible to please him. So that means the reverse is true. The opposite is true. With faith, you can please God. Am I right? And then it says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That verse or that phrase that says, Enoch walked with God. If you, and again, I don't have any degrees or any understanding in Greek and Hebrew, but I can read a good commentary and I can understand what other people say. But that same verbiage is found in Genesis when it says, and God walked with man in the cool of the evening. It's that same relationship. Somewhere Enoch's faith was so incredible that he was able to walk with God the way God had walked with man. Something, I don't know how, I don't know, I wish the Bible would give me a whole lot more on Enoch. I'd like to follow Enoch's, Enoch's uh, steps. But again, if Enoch would have, if we'd have laid out Enoch's life, everything, we'd get stuck in the ritual. Let me just do it exactly like Enoch. When the truth is this, he believed. And the Bible says there's two things you must believe. First, you must believe that he is. He is. He's God. He exists. He's there. 
He's the Alpha, the Omega. He's, he's everything and all that. He's, he is the I Am, that I Am. And you must believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That there is an understanding that He rewards those that come to Him through faith. There is a reward, and I love that. There is a reward. See, the writers of Hebrews, or, or, or the, the audience of Hebrews, probably had no problem believing that God is. But they may have a problem believing that God rewards those who seek Him through faith. And so uh, we get there. Let's, let's keep going a little bit. I'm going to hang tight on Noah for a little bit and then we'll, we'll breeze through some of it just to kind of point out some things. But Noah is an incredible uh, story. Verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. For by the which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I want you to listen as I talk about this story. I know you know it. But I want to tell you a few things. Because invariably, one day, you're going to be around your water cooler, you're going to be around the lunchroom, and you're going to be witnessing to someone about the, the, the Lord, and, and they're going to start talking about, you know, uh, if you believe in the Lord, you're going to be saved, and that's all it takes. And I want you to listen carefully, because this is where you need to take them in order to understand what does it mean to be saved. So let's break this down. By faith, Noah. So again, the, the, the thing that Noah is accounted for is his faith. Being warned of God. Now watch this. Noah didn't, he didn't have some meteor, meteorological degree where he could look up and go, hmm, you know what, it looks like it's going to rain and I've checked all of the patterns and it's going to rain, I'm going to build a boat. And that goes back to what I said at the very beginning, that faith, true faith, is when God initiates it and you believe it and you follow it. The only reason Noah built an ark is because God told him to. Because God warned him of what the, the punishment that was coming. God warned him of the wrath to come. But never does God give you wrath without a plan of salvation. We know later, I think it's one of the, one of the epistles of Peter, I believe, where it talks about, and right now, like it was in the days of Noah, the heavens are reserved, but we're not going to have a flood of water that's going to end this world. But instead, the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat, and the end of the world will be in a flash of fire. Is everybody following where I'm at? God's never going to give a punishment without giving a plan of salvation. So I want you to look at the, the story of Noah, and I want you to think about the plan of salvation. And then I want us to just, just kind of bridge some gaps and take the things we see in Noah's life and apply them to the plan of salvation that the Lord has given us in this day and age. The idea to build an ark was not Noah. God did not say, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. You better be ready. And Noah goes back and he gets Ham, Shep, and Jephthah and he goes, hmm, what are we going to do to be saved? Let's figure this out. Let's sit around a table and have a discussion. Let's have a council uh, here in Noah and let's figure out how can we be saved. It doesn't work that way. God said, I'm going to destroy the earth and I want you to build an ark. In fact, I want you to build it exactly this way, this high, this long, this thing. And Noah's faith in God's word was demonstrated by his actions and so I, I want you to understand that 
that salvation, that, and, and it's absolutely appropriate to use the word salvation when it comes to Noah and his family. That salvation that Noah received. Yes, he got into an ark that he built. But Noah was not saved because he ran into an ark. And I'll show you that in a moment. Noah was saved by grace. Why? Because the Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I don't care how many times you jump into that baptismal tank back there. That's not what's going to save you if there's not grace that precedes that and faith that precedes that. The reason you and I can be saved is because you found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The reason you and I are saved is because he told you that there is going to come an end of the world and those that are righteous and those that are right with God are going to be saved and those that are not are going to hell. And somewhere you said, well then how must I be saved? Men and brethren, go back to Acts chapter 2 and verse 37. Uh, Men and brethren, what must I do to be saved? Peter didn't go, well let me give you my opinion. Peter began to preach the word of God. Repent. Be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if anybody did that because they believe the word of God, then then they are saved. Now, I understand that uh, while in in, in my study, and this is my, my belief, if you don't believe this entirely, that's okay, but in my belief, it had never really reigned in that time frame. There's a lot of, of, of Bible historians and, and things like that that will tell you it had never rained. They had no concept of what that flood would be. That there was a dew that went up from the ground and, and all that. So, so I understand they may not have this understanding of rain, but I'm kind of confident that there were people that lived by seas and rivers and they lived by the ocean and lakes that had built boats before. I'm pretty confident that Noah's not the first guy that ever built a boat. I don't know. Now, the Bible tells us how long it rained, but I don't know exactly how long certain places in the world got covered. But in my mind, now watch this. This is why I want to show you why ritual doesn't work and faith is the key. I know there was somebody that already had a boat tied up to their dock. And the waters begin to rise. And they said, well, well, honey, we need to get in our boat. And they went and got in their boat. And it may have been a good boat, Brother Steve. And it may have been a seaworthy boat. It may have been the best boat ever built by man. But those boats could not save them. Now, it could be as simple as this. The reason the boat couldn't save them is because they didn't put enough food on the boat to last the hundred and something days that it rained. And the boat they were on may have never sunk. But you'd find a skeleton at the end of that where they had starved to death. Because God didn't just say get in a boat. He said get this many animals in and prepare this. God knows. And so what I want to try to explain to you is that just because somebody does something, even if it's similar to the plan of salvation, doesn't mean they're saved. Like I said, you can go down and dunk yourself all you want in that water. You can even call on the name of the Lord and go down in that water. But if it's not the, the response to the word of God and faith in him that precedes that, It's of naught. Everybody on the same page with me? That's how important faith is. Faith is the response to God's command. Now let's walk a little bit farther. And I won't take a lot of time because I think you're getting the point. The point is faith. The point is all of these people in the word of God 
in, in Hebrews chapter 11 that we see had faith, all of their faith was because God told them to do something. And so let's just real quickly walk through this as quick as we can and, and still get to the end of chapter 11. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Again, I, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse, but Abraham heard from God, get up and go. This was not Abraham going, man, I'm kind of sick of being an Ur. Let's go take a trip. The faith was he heard the word of God and he did. And he went to live in a land of promise as in a foreign land, living in the tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has a foundation whose designer and builder is God. You say, well, what kind of a city? Well, it's kind of just hang, let me, let me hang right here for a moment. He was looking for a city whose had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That word builder in this instance right here means the architect, the one that drew up the plans. The word maker right here is the actual contractor. And so we're looking for a city who was designed by God and built by God. There's no city on the face of the earth that was designed by God and built by God. And so right now, and you'll see this later on uh, in, in the book of, of, of here, and you'll see it in the book of Hebrews and, and other places, that we're looking for a heavenly city. Now Abraham didn't quite understand it, but the understanding that Abraham had was even though I'm walking on some sand and I'm walking in, in this promised land that God is giving me and I'm living in my tent, this is not my end result. Did they have a great understanding of heaven back in Abraham's time? Probably not. But Abraham had faith to know where I'm at right now is not the end of me. I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And if, that, if you just need to understand that, go pull up the book of Revelation and look for, at, towards the end of the book of Revelation and find that city that's described having 12 foundations. Who, who, who shows you exactly how it's designed and built that's of God. It comes down like a jewel uh, descending from the heavens. But it's very interesting that even though Abraham in, in uh, verse 9, even though Abraham was living in the land of promise, he lived in a tent because Abraham never truly settled. There's no houses of Abraham. He was a nomad. It still wasn't his home. They didn't settle in that promised land until the book of Joshua and into the book of Judges. And that is important. But, but uh, let's look at verse 11. By faith Sarah received power to conceive even, then, even when she was past the age since she considered him faithful who had promised. This was not, if you read the story, and I don't have time to go through the whole story of Abraham. Go look in Genesis, read it. You will find that you know, maybe if you would have talked to Abraham and Sarah when they were 30 or 40 years old, then, yeah, it would have been their idea, let's have a baby. Let's plan this. Let's plan our family. We're going to have a couple babies and everything's going to be true. But the reason why it happens at the end, or not the end, but the latter part of Abraham and Sarah's life is because they had given up. They didn't wake up one day and Abraham says, I want a child, Sarah. And Sarah goes, that sounds like a great idea. I know I'm 90 years old or 100 years old, whatever it is. Let's, let's have a baby. No, God came down and said, you're going to have a son. 
and your offspring is going to number like the sands of the sea or the stars of the sky. It was God's plan and it was God's idea. And in order for them to, for it to happen and for it to occur, they had to have faith that what God said was going to come to pass. Did they get it right all the time? Absolutely not. That's why you got Hagar and Ishmael. But still, the Hagar and the Ishmael, it was misguided faith, but the reason they were doing that is because God had promised them a son, and they were just trying to have a son however it was. It's not proper, it's not right. You need to do the things according to what the way God lays out, the way God plans. Verse 12, Therefore from one man, and him as such good as dead, were born descendants as many of the stars of heaven, and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. He was old when Isaac came. But these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles here on earth. And for a people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, it would have been an opportunity to return. But as it was, they desire a better country, that is a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them for a city. Why is this verse there? It's because there were some of those Hebrews that were wanting to go back to the law. And so he says, let me just help you out. Let me take you to, the, to the, 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 that, that Abraham. I mean, they, they loved Abraham. They thought Abraham was just it when it came to the Jewish faith and Jewish belief. And Abraham said, when God called me out of Ur, I didn't have a desire to go back. And the point is, when God called you out of darkness and called you out of a law of ritual and a law that could never make you whole and could never save you, and he's called you into the marvelous light where you have access with God, don't want to go back. Don't desire to return. Don't be an Abraham that goes back to Ur. It's not there. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac it was not Abraham's idea to offer up Isaac. It was God's idea. And he had received the promises. It was in the act of offering up his only son of whom it was said, Though I, through Isaac shall her offspring be named. And he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. All of those, it, it's, just, it's just one after another. The writer of Hebrews, he's on a roll. If he was a Pentecostal preacher, he's hardly taking a breath right now. He's just over and over telling you that God would, would, would tell them, God would speak to them, go do this. And because they believed he was God, and because they believed his word, they acted on there. Nothing else. By faith, Joseph and Brother Perryman, you preached a phenomenal and impactful message Sunday night about the life of Joseph. I even have things that I was writing down in, in this Bible from what you were preaching on. But by faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave him directions concerning his bones. Now you'd say, well, well, Joseph, he, he, he did it. Why did he do that? He did it because he remembered the promise God gave to Abraham. This was not Joseph trying to, you know, do something that would be cool or, you know, go in the annals of Jewish history and say, look what I've done. No, he said, God said it. I believe it. 
And even though I have not yet been able to see it, or, or that's not my home. Right now my home's here in Egypt, and, and as I take my last rattling dying breaths, I, I kind of get this understanding that I'm going to be buried here in Egypt. But I still believe what God said. So why don't you take me with you when you go? Again, it's that faith. We're saved by faith. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Please don't think that the only reason they saved Moses is because he looked better than all the other babies. I know, parents, you think your baby's the cutest baby in the whole wide world, but newborn babies really aren't all, their, all that cute. They got them pinched up little faces, and this has nothing to do with the baby beauty pageant. If you were to research those words, what is the... What does the uh, uh, King James says? It says they saw he was a proper child. Again, that doesn't mean he had manners. It meant that they, they, they heard and saw and felt from God that God had a purpose for Moses. If you will, and, and, and I can't go this far, but just get this understanding. The same way that Mary knew that Jesus was from God, the same reason Moses' parents knew that there's something about this. And so they said, by faith, we're willing, even if it causes us to die, we're willing to, to hide him away. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Not that Christ was back in the Old Testament per se. Not that, that, that you know, he knew Jesus or understood that by any stretch of the imagination. But they're linking, if you will, what Jesus went through. Willing to come down to earth for you and I and suffer the agony and defeat of loss of, 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 of his life. It's kind of pushing those together. Moses said, I'm willing to go with the people so I can redeem them. It's a type, it's a shadow of things to come. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. Now, wait, 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 wait. That's not what I read in, in Genesis and Exodus. I read that he fled for his life because, you know, he had killed that Egyptian and, and, and then he, he saw the Hebrews fighting and he was going to try to intervene in that and they told him, we saw what you did. I, I saw that he left, but Hebrews comes and I, I believe what it is is, yeah, he may have left, but he understood some other things. He said, I'm, I'm not afraid of the king per se, I I've got God on my side, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He had faith. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled, sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. God said, here's the punishment. We go back to that. Here's the punishment. If you want to be saved, this is what you have to do. This is the, the, the method of salvation. This is the salvation plan. Paint the blood on the doorposts of your house and stay in your house. The reason Moses did that, that was not Moses' idea. That was his idea. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Let's go back to that Cain and Abel. Abel offered a sacrifice. Cain offered a sacrifice. God accepted Abel's. Why? Because there was faith involved. God didn't accept Cain's. Why? Because there was no faith involved. There's dry land. The, Egypt, or the, the Israelites were able to walk over. Why do they survive? They had faith. Why did the Egyptians die? I understand God snapped his fingers and the waters crashed back over them. But it's that understanding here that the writer of Hebrews wants to get to you. That faith is the avenue of salvation. The Egyptians said, well, we can do what they do. 
We can just do the same ritual, follow the same motions, but it doesn't work. Verse 30, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. Was that the way Joshua would have tried to attack that city? Absolutely not. But he had heard from the Lord. And because he had faith, he did what the Lord said. By faith Rahab, here's that that Gentile prostitute there. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had been given a friendly welcome to the spies and and there you go. What, what, how is this going to work? I'm sure that's not how Rahab would have saved her family. Rahab lived in the wall, the, the understanding is. Rahab would have been on the front lines where the catapults and the siege equipment would have been attacking. It would have made perfect sense to leave the home and go into the middle of the city where maybe there was a keep, maybe there was a, a more fortified place. But she stayed there. And when all the walls fell, her faith in the word of God and her Her doing what the word of God said sustained her. The writer of Hebrews stops. He's realizing that he's on a roll. And if he continues this, he's never going to finish this book. And so he says, what more could I say? Time would fail to tell me of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. And then here's the key. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of the lions, that they quenched uh, uh, the power of fire, they escaped with the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, made mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. And you could begin to look at those. Some of those are real easy. Stop the mouth of the lions. Who do you think he's talking about? Daniel. Through faith. Women received their, back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured. Refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were even killed with the sword. They went about in the sheeps of skin and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in the deserts and mountains and the dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. You say, well, pastor, I I thought we saw that. You know, Isaac or or, uh, uh, Abraham received Isaac back and Rahab received her her life, if you will. and, 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 And so what do you mean they didn't receive? It's because everyone in those Old Testaments, even though God blessed them and touched them for their faith while they were alive, as Abraham did, they were looking for a heavenly place. That's why throughout the entire Old Testament, with all of its pomp and its circumstance and rituals of the, of the, the Mosaic covenant and sacrifices, that's why it's not the sacrifice itself that saved, it's the faith. That even when that man and family came and brought their lamb and They did it in faith because that's what the Lord told them to do at that time. Gave them Moses' law there on Mount Sinai. And they brought that lamb there and they they did all of that. And I don't have time to go back. Go listen to all the other preaching I've done on on the book of Hebrews thus far. As that little lamb, life was extinguished. The lamb was placed on the altar and if they could watch it and see it, they still realized this isn't everything God has for me and they died having not received 
the promise. Since God hath provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. What does that mean? Well, I'd have to take you back a couple of services, a couple of uh, uh, sermons ago to when we got into chapter 9 and chapter 10. That when Jesus died, the blood that he shed on the cross, it covered all of those sins that the blood of, of goats and bulls and lambs had merely just kind of tucked away until there could be something done with them. And so God had provided a better promise for each one of those Old Testament heroes. And now that, that the, the cross has come and now that the blood has been shed and Jesus has been in the tomb and now has arose and now is in heaven, the day of Pentecost has come. There's something better that allows all of those who live their life in the Old Testament through faith. They can have exactly what you and I have because they did in their time what God told them to do. Just as you and I are to do in our time the, what God, the plan of salvation that God has shown you and I. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. He that believeth shall be saved. Another verse says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Why did I get baptized? Because His Word told me to. And because I believe in the one who spoke the Word. And I believe in the power of His Word. And so I'm going to do what the Word says. Now we're going to, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the book of Hebrews chapter 12. That's for another time. But I would be bereft if I don't at least take you to the first verse or so. And then we'll pick it back up and reiterate it again later. Therefore, remember the Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses. And so this sentence comes directly after everything we just preached about. Therefore, what therefore? Therefore, everything you just heard about in Hebrews chapter 11. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely and run with endurance the race that is set before us. The answer is simple. If Abel was saved by faith, if Noah was saved by faith, if Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and, and Jephthah and, and all of those, that were, if they were saved by faith, then it's up to you and I to look around and say there's a great cloud of witnesses that shows us we need to do what to be received of God. We need to believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so by faith, we are saved. It's not the ritual of being baptized in Jesus' name. It's not the ritual even of coming to an altar. That's not what saves us. Those are the, are the, the, the response of someone that says, I believe God's word is true. And if he tells me to go kill Isaac on the mountain, I don't know how it is. He'll have to raise him back up because God said, out of Isaac, all of my descendants are going to come. So God, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to do what you say. And even if I have to take Isaac's life, you're going to have to raise him up because I know what you promised. And Lord, your word promised that if I repent of my sins and I am baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ, that my sins will be remitted, washed away, and I shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And all of that is predicated on the fact that I believe you are God. 
and there's none like you, and there's none beside you. And everything you say, I want to do. I'm not caught up in the ritual. I'm caught up in my faith that I trust you. Why don't we stand today? Why don't we just lift our hands for a moment? Why don't you just talk to him for a second? I hope that it's put your own salvation in a fresh light and a fresh understanding in Jesus' name.